we are, as you see, starting a new message series, and it's uh, I I'm really excited about um, the things that we're going to look at over the next several weeks. This is going to lead us into Christmas and even one week after Christmas. And so, I in let's see, in September, near the end of September, I woke up. It was one of those nights you've all had them where middle of the night you just wake up and you're like, dang it, I'm awake and I can't go back to sleep. It was one of those nights and. I seriously was wide awake, it's about 3 in the morning, a little before 3 in the morning, and I'm looking outside, and it was clear enough to see stars and stuff, and I'm looking outside, and I had recently read a passage that tied into the stars, and it, it brought up all sorts of other passages that were star-related passages, and I was trying to rest, and I really couldn't, so I was like, well, I might as well just reflect on the stars, and reflect on what God says about the stars. I began to take some notes about what the scripture said and just jotted down lots of thoughts and out of that really grew this series that we're going to look at as we um, head into the Christmas season. So I'm really excited to share it with you. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. First and foremost, Lord, it is our guide. It is the authority in our lives. Lord, we ask that we would recognize and, and begin to surrender ourselves to you and your word, Lord, on a very daily in practical ways, Lord. I pray that this morning as we look in your word and we um, look at what you have to say about these stars that you've created, Lord, that it would draw our hearts to praise you. Lord, it wouldn't just um, be uh, interesting information as we talk about some scientific things, but Lord, that we would be drawn to a place of worship. That we would look up at the night sky with a different perspective and with a different response, Lord. Would you do that in our lives? pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Ralph Waldo Emerson, transcendental philosopher, whom I probably don't agree a whole lot with what he has to say. One thing I do agree with, though, he made this statement. If the stars should appear but one night every thousand years, how man would marvel and stare. There's some truth to that. I used to backpack up in the Sierras, and in high school I would go up with my dad, and sometimes it would just be he and I, we'd go backpacking um, for... Uh, five days, sometimes we take other people from our church, but one of the things I remember doing with him is we would find these open areas, we throw our sleeping bags out and we sleep out under the stars, and you just, up in the Sierras where there's, you know, only the stars and the moonlight at night, it's just amazing the things you can see out there, and the things you just don't, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you've been to some beautiful, beautiful places, where you can just, you're not, you don't have all the city lights to distract us. And, man, you're just in awe of God's beauty, His creation, what He has made. You know, in the city, like in Riverside or in L.A., on the front cover of your, of your bulletin, you see there's this cityscape. You see the stars above. But we can't always see the night sky because of the city lights are so bright. Sometimes there's so much smog and fog, and sometimes you just can't see through all the fog and all the smog to really see the stars. Sometimes you can count only a few stars. So the Bible says to Abraham, we're going to look at this next week, you know, look up and see the stars counting. You know, if you can count them, you know, sometimes we can actually count the stars. Abraham, or Abram, he couldn't, you know, just imagine, he's just looking up at this multitude, an innumerable amount of stars, just there's some amazing things, but sometimes because of the, where we live and all that we're captured by, it can feel like we can only see the stars once every thousand years. It can just seem like 
hard to see these things. We're so caught up. We tend, in our society, in our culture, we tend to get caught up and focus our lives around different kinds of stars. It's not stars in the sky. It's stars through Hollywood, stars through music. We get wrapped up on what's going on in this world that it can eclipse the significance of the beauty of God's creation, the stars that He has actually made. We can get so... If we're not careful, we can miss the brilliance of God's glory as displayed that shine when we see the stars. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the stars in the Bible and just take a look at how God has used the stars. And there's some things that I want to highlight each week. Today what we're going to, look, what we're going to do is we're going to look at how the stars, they clue us into His existence and His character. They give us some clues about who God is, what He's like. Next week we're going to look at how stars are a symbol of promise and Give us a sense of mission and priority and purpose. When things some, sometimes get foggy, um, they can really direct some things. They can remind us of some things related to our purpose. We're going to look at the life of Abram. The following week, we're going to look at how stars are, they can be like metaphors. Metaphors of a Christ follower's role to play in the world. And so then for, for Christmas, for our Christmas service, we're going to look at how the stars were kind of like an ancient navigation system. Before GPS, there was ancient navigation system. God led people to worship Jesus. They led, they led them by a star. Finally, we're going to actually look one week after Christmas. We're going to look at how the Scripture says there will be a day when there will be no stars, when the stars will be wiped out. All the, all the created things that we take in will be wiped out. And in heaven, God Himself will be our light. Like we're... we're Jesus is the bright and morning star. We're, we're given this idea that at that point that the things that we know are there will be no more. These are there are some temporal things that we get to enjoy right now. We're going to start this morning though by looking at Genesis chapter one verses fourteen through nineteen, the fourth day of creation. Okay, day four of creation. He's made some other things, and then God says this: Let there be lights. And you can follow along if you like on this listening guide. Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. So here's the creation of time at this point. Verse 15 says, And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. It's amazing. Let there be, and it was so. Like It's amazing to me that God spoke things into existence. It says, God made two great lights. We know about these lights. The greater light to govern the day, that's the sun, and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. So in this passage, there's a very casual reference to the stars. God creating the stars. It's almost like he says, oh yeah, he also made the stars, by the way. I don't know if you caught it in there, but he also made the stars. It might have been in the previous slide, but it's just kind of, it almost seems like it's just, it's a casual reference. He made the stars, by the way. But the stars are these enormous parts of God's, God's creation. And I want to look at those this morning. Stars create this real sense of wonder in us humans. They actually contain a tremendous amount of energy and power, stars themselves. They, they create all of this power and energy as scientists study them, they learn more and more about the stars. But when we look up at the night sky, stars are so inspiring that people for 
centuries have been attributing a great deal of power to them as well in their own lives. They've made connections to stars. Humanity has really connected with the stars in ways that God does not want us to. Have you ever uh, thanked your lucky stars? Anybody thank your lucky stars? There's a stream of thought and practice that believes that the stars actually control our lives. There's some thinking that says the stars and what's going on in the stars controls our, our way of doing life. Astrology is literally the study of what? The stars. The, star, the study of stars. And the idea, the thought with astrology is, is, you know, whatever's going on above, it sets direction for what's happening below. As above, so below. <clears throat> the idea is that celestial phenomena actually governs earthly affairs. And so, there's 12 different signs in the sky that represent 12 basic personality types or characteristics like modes of expressing ourselves. And, and so people actually are led by the stars. They've begun to allow the stars to direct the course of their life. We even have nursery rhymes that attribute a lot of power to the stars and we encourage our kids to wish upon the stars. There's a nursery rhyme, Starlight, Star Bright. You can join along if you like. The first star I see tonight, I wish I may, I wish I might have the wish, I wish tonight. Some of you, you maybe do that in the evening before you go to bed. I don't know. But we have all of these thoughts and ideas in our society. And all of these things are symptomatic of the fact that we humans, we try to live without the guidance of the one who made us. So we construct other things to give us guidance. The Bible says that every single one of us has actually pulled away from from God and has tried to go at life on our own, independent from God. We've tried to do life on our own, removed God from the equation. We've rebelled. That's, that's called sin. We've walked independently, lived independently from God, trying to chart our own course in life apart from Him. And since we've done that, we've looked for other guidance from all sorts of sources, sometimes even from the stars. The Bible is clear that this kind of thinking about the stars is a symptom of a much, much deeper problem. Look at Romans. Paul's speaking to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 25. He says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. The worship of the created things is a symptom of that deeper problem that humans have, that we have. Paul's addressing the fact that many people create their own gods to worship. They worship created things. They constructed their own gods to worship rather than worshiping the Creator. And in contrast to this, this is in your listening guide, the stars are not intended to be worshipped, but they should do this. They should remind us of God's existence and His character. They are part of God's creation. And they're there to remind us of who God is and what He's like. Look at Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. The psalmist, he writes about how we learn of God's existence through the stars. The heavens, it says, declare the glory of God. Like when we look up, they're telling us about who God is. The glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Verse 2 says, day after day they pour forth speech. The idea is that they gush forth words about God. They tell us about who God is. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. You know, everybody can see Him. Everybody's able to take in the stars that have been created and has the opportunity to, to be drawn to know who, who's created these things. They're not literally speaking to us, 
But they're clearly revealing God's royal majesty. They're, they're communicating truths about God. Verse 4 says, Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens He has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from His pavilion. This is a reference to the brilliance of sunrise. The idea of the sunrise. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. The idea there is the strength, the energy you see from the the power you see in the sun. It rises at one end of the heavens and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. You see, the entire planet feels the heat from the sun. God is speaking to us through the stars. He's speaking through the heavens and all of His creation. He's reminding us, hey, I exist. I made all this. There is a Creator who created all of these things. He's also speaking to us about His identity, His character. In fact, God is putting on a light show every single day. Sunrise, sunset, the stars. He's putting on this beautiful light show for us, not so we can just be like in worship of the created things, but in drawn into worship of God Himself. He wants us to recognize a few things. First, the stars should reveal God's power and His deity. His power and His deity. I'd like to show you a clip. We're going to show you several video clips here in the service this morning. This first clip describes a little bit about just the power contained in our sun. We know the sun's powerful. On a day like today, you know, we're hoping it comes out. If it comes out, we won't go stand outside in it. Oh, just take it in. Rather than use the heater, you know, I'd like to take in the natural sun. But we know it's powerful. Well, this, this, is gonna, this little video is going to give us just a quick <clears throat> description of just how powerful this, this star, the star that's closest to us, really is. So take a look. Well, one of the things in creation that I think really exhibits God's power is the power released in stars. Uh, the sun, it releases more energy in, in one second than a billion major cities on the earth, if there were a billion, would produce in a year. And that's just released in one second. You can imagine that. And of course, there are stars that are even more powerful than the sun. And just imagine all that power. All those stars, billions of stars in our own galaxy, billions of stars in other galaxies. And yet the Bible describes the creation of all that energy, all that power with the single phrase... He made the stars also. I wish we could all go stand outside and just take in the sun for a moment to, to get it. But and we all know, we all know just how warm the sun is. Some days it's a little too warm for some of us. Some days we wish it'd be a little warmer. But these, it speaks that God exists. It speaks of His existence, His character. It draws us to understand God. He is a powerful God. He's not like any of us. Look at Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, since the beginning of the world, since the world was made, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. Those are two areas. His eternal power and His divine nature. Those are two areas that you and I have a real hard time grasping. Don't you? Don't we? We have a hard time understanding God's eternal power, His divine nature. And so, those things have been clearly seen. Since the beginning, they've been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. There's this strange wordplay here. He says, his invisible qualities have been clearly seen. I think that's kind of funny. I was the only one who thought it was funny first service too, though. His invisible, his invisible qualities have been clearly seen. It's kind of like a strange wordplay there. Nobody has a good excuse for rejecting the light that, that 
for rejecting God's creation and the things that are intended to draw people to further investigate the Creator. No one has a good excuse. You know, we can't get close enough to the stars to really grasp their power, just like that video was saying. But we know they're out there, but they're powerful. There's billions of them. They're powerful. There's so many more stars that are much more powerful than our sun. We're 93 million miles away from our sun. If you go out at the night time and look up at, a, at the sky, let's say we actually get this storm that's been hanging in suspense for the last few days. If it actually comes and dumps on us, and you know, sometimes after the rain it's great because you can look up and you just see the beauty of God's creation. Those are the days when you want to not miss going outside if you live in this area. Because it's great. It wipes away all the fog, the smog. It's just nice and clear. Think back to the last time you did that. Think back to the time where you were captured by the brilliance of God's creation, the beauty of the stars. And then imagine, the next time you do that, imagine the immense power contained in each of those stars and how the power is what allow, the energy and the power is what allows us to see them from so far away. These are powerful, created things. Then beyond that, consider the one who made them. Consider the powerful God who made them and who has arranged them in the night sky. He's placed them in the night sky. The stars, they also reveal God's power as deity, but also His wisdom, His understanding. We learn a great deal about God through His creation. Psalm 136, if you move ahead in the psalm, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, to Him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Verse 5 says, Who by His understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His love endures forever. Verse 5, the, the understanding. By His understanding, He, you know, he made the heavens. He, he fathoms. He understands some things on a level that you and I just, we don't, we don't get. We're not capable of understanding. And the order and the design in the universe is evidence of a creator with complete wisdom, with complete understanding. There was a book written by two astronomers called The Privileged Planet. And the book, The Privileged Planet, the authors show how the earth is hanging at just the right place in our galaxy so that human life can exist. And if you've never read the book, it might be a fun read. For example, the sun is 27. I'm going to spout out a bunch of scientific facts here. The sun is, is 27 million degrees Fahrenheit at its core. That's hot. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. It's fiery. They don't have a chicken wing that'll go at that level. I mean, it's just... What would they call that chicken wing, you know? I don't know. The sun. The sun wing! <laughs> anyway, the sun is 27 million degrees Fahrenheit at its core. And it's 93 million miles away from the Earth. And it's our main energy source. It's, you know, far enough away so that we do not burn up. If, it was, if, it was, if we were any closer to the sun, we would what? Burn up. If we were any further away from the sun, we would freeze. So God, in His wisdom and His understanding, He placed planet Earth in a position in, the, you know, in our galaxy to be able to live he understood what conditions we needed to live under. He has infinite wisdom, infinite understanding, knowledge. That's just one example of God's wisdom. And because of that, what I think is it should draw us to trust Him. It should lead us to say, God, I'll obey you with what you have to say about the areas that I'm a little fuzzy on. 
I'm a little fuzzy on my marriage, God, right now. I need some direction. I'm a little fuzzy on how to parent right now at this stage in life or, or how to manage this area of life like my finances or my job or my relationships or this future decision coming up. God, would you help me? I think if we understand that God created through His wisdom and understanding of the earth and positioned it right where it is so that we could survive and exist, I think He can handle helping me work on my marriage. I think He can handle helping me work on my my money and my all these other things I've got on my mind from week to week. It really does help me to know His His complete wisdom as revealed, revealed in His creation. Another thing is the stars reveal God's faithfulness, His, His steadiness, His reliability. Look at Psalm 136. It continues, Give thanks to the God of God's who made the great lights. His love endures forever. Verse 8, The sun to govern the day, His love endures forever. The moons, the moon and the stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. God is faithful. Every day, God makes sure the sun, you know, it rises and it sets. There's this consistent pattern with what He has created. That reminds us of just God's faithfulness. How He can be trusted. He's reliable. I want to show you another clip for this final point on this side. The stars also revere God's Reveal God's care, His concern. The fact that He's created us on this planet, it reminds us, and you know, we learn about the heat of the sun and how we need to be close enough to not, you know, freeze and all of these things that, that science tells us. I want you to see this video that shows us our relative size in comparison to some of the other planets and then some of the stars that are out there. So let's take a look. This is actually from a sermon that a guy's giving. So I thought I might need this, so I brought a golf ball, okay? So all through the evening, this is going to represent Earth, all right? So this is where we are. I need everybody in the building to look as closely as you can and find yourself, okay? And when you've found yourself, I want you to nod your head so that I know you've located you on the Earth, okay? You're nodding your head? Okay, you found yourself. If the Earth were a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. That's not 15 feet in diameter. Can we blow that up just a hair and maybe give them 15 feet in diameter? So here's a little perspective for you, okay? Is this working for anybody? Here we are on the Earth, and that's the sun. It's so big. It's so big, you could put... 960,000 Earths inside the sun. It's a massive star, and it's one of hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, our cul-de-sac in the neighborhood called the cosmos that God has made. I love science. And science has just brought us the largest star they found. It's called, are you ready for this, Canis Majoris. Now, I'm no linguist, but that's a cool name for the biggest star we've found so far. I think that means the big dog star, and that's exactly what it is. I bring it to you as a little bitty purple, you know, glow just to the right of center there. But Canis Majoris, oh wow, if the earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest. Almost six miles above sea level, the highest point on the planet, and I just dare you to get up there and unzip the parka and pull out your golf ball. You could fit seven quadrillion Earths 
inside Canis Majoris. That's enough earth if the earth were a golf ball to cover the entire state of Texas in golf balls 22 inches deep. You see the one you're on? Maybe this will help a little bit more. This absolutely blew my mind. Just a little journey through our solar system. Everyone knows our planets and sort of how we fit in to the story here. You see really quickly that we're not even the biggest deal in our own solar system, but as Earth comes by, you have to know tonight that we are living on a privileged planet. Anyone would tell you we're living at one of the most special places, if not the most special place in all of creation. But Neptune comes by and Saturn and then Jupiter and you're like, okay, we're not all that big, even in our own little cul-de-sac. I just noticed the blue dot fading away is not the Earth. That's Neptune. The Earth has gotten too small to see anymore. Sirius comes by. Little plug for satellite radio. Not the biggest star, but the brightest star that we have found so far. Pollux, which we didn't mention. Arcturus. Such a beautifully named one, Regal. But then the one that messed me up. Our third star, Musifi. Musifi's cousin, W. Sifi. And do you know that you couldn't come up here right now with a sharpie and make a mark on the screen that would approximate the size of our sun? You couldn't even do it. I mean, when you look at these and their relative size, we just have to put a little arrow over there that says, if you could put the sun on here, which you can't, it would go somewhere about here. That, that blows me away. Just to see the relative size of our planet, which, you know, when we live on the planet, we think there's no one else that exists, you know. We live in our state, we think there's no one else that exists. We live in our city or Southern California, man, there's no one else that really exists. We're so focused on our lives, our world, our stuff, my family, my money, my this, my house, my that, my possessions. When you see, you know, life in comparison to all that God has created, you know, it really shrinks things down to size. But I just wanted us to be reminded of God's care for us. We live on a very, on a privileged planet, like he said. We're a pretty small part of God's creation in the scope of all that he's created, but God cares deeply. He's concerned for us deeply. Look at Psalm 8. Psalm 8, verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers... The moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. 
These rhetorical questions in verse 4, they emphasize the fact that mankind, we seem so insignificant, yet at the same time, God cares greatly for us. When you feel the warmth of the sun, it should be a reminder that, that we know a God who loves us. He's concerned for us. How insulting do you think it is to create a universe, to put you on a planet where you can enjoy life, and then you begin to worship the stars, the planets, the things that have been made rather than the one who's made them? That's incredibly insulting. It's incredibly offensive to the God who's created us. But in spite of all that, Scripture says He's pursued a friendship with us. It says there, He has been mindful of us. He has, the, the verse, you know, we're on His mind. He's, he's made us, then He's created a way for us to respond to His love, to get to know Him back. Then He stepped onto earth in the person of Jesus Christ, and He made a way for us to be reconciled. That we could have a relationship with God. Scripture says that we are running the other direction, even while we were heading in a different direction. God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so we, we could reconnect with Him. He's mindful of you and I. He's, he's very much concerned. On the back side, here's, here's some thoughts as far as how, how should the stars prompt us? They should stir our hearts to a few things. One is towards giving glory to God. They ought to stir our hearts towards, towards giving glory to God Himself. Revelation 4.11 You're worthy, O Lord, and God, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things. By Your will they have been created and they have their being. Giving Him glory, this is a part of our life. God wants us to give Him glory. Practically speaking, this means to give Him the proper weight of significance in my life. To place God in His rightful position in my life. Submitting myself to Him. Are we doing that? Are we giving Him the proper weight of significance? Giving Him the glory that He is due, that He deserves. That's what He desires. The stars, they ought to stir our hearts towards towards honoring Him for who He is. Secondly, they should stir our hearts towards praise and adoration. Some people don't do that. Some people just blow right past this. That's what Romans one twenty five says. They exchanged the truth of God, we looked at this earlier, for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. This verse is in the negative, but if you turn it around in the positive, we should never worship the stars in any of, of the creation, but they should bring our hearts to praise and adore the One who has created them. Stars should stir our hearts to praise Him. The one who's created those, those things. They should also stir our hearts towards gratitude. Look at Romans one twenty one. It says, For although they knew God, this is a description of what happened to humankind. They knew God. They neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Whenever we have a habit of wonder and praise and gratitude, it keeps us from blowing things out of proportion in our mind. And making our lives so much bigger than they really are. When we have a sense of gratitude, it keeps our life in a perspective of who we are, our rightful place, and who God is and His rightful. It keeps, it keeps things in the right proportion. So make it a habit of thanking Him. The God who made the universe, you know, the universe, He's for us. He loves us. Make your life a habit of praising Him. Finally, the stars should stir our hearts towards obedience. Towards obedience. He wants us to obey Him. Psalm 19, we read parts of it earlier. talked about the creation declaring the glory of God. There's this shift that takes place in verse 7 of the psalm. It says this, 
says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So the first part of this psalm, David is talking about God's creation, how they, they, they speak praise to God, they declare His glory. Then he shifts gear and he talks about the sun, how it affects everyone. No one is hidden from its heat. Then he shifts and he talks about the Word of God, the laws of God. They're perfect. They revive the soul. They give, give us wisdom. The works of God in creation make us curious to know who He is, the one who's behind it all. But the Word of God reveals Him more fully. In, this, in these short verses... You see, there's a flow moving from God's general knowledge or His general revelation about Himself in the early part to this special revelation where He's saying, God's revealed Himself to us more fully in His Word. He wants us to know Him in His Word. He wants us to open the Bible. He wants us to, to dig in for ourselves to see how He has revealed, how He's made Himself known, how He wants to work in our lives, how He wants to, us to respond to Him. The Word of God does no good if it's just kept up on a shelf. It needs to be in our life. He has revealed Himself more fully. And the way, we, the way we do is we take it in, but then we obey. We listen, we wrestle, but then we obey. God has given us His Word so that we would obey Him. The truth of the matter is, as you do that, you realize, wow, this is true. The Word of God is true. It's not just that guy talking up there. This is coming alive to me. When I do this for myself, when I get into the Scripture to let God speak to me about life and what what's going on and I just or I look and see how he's worked in ways past man God speaks to me in my life and when we do that it's just like wow this is truly inspired by God sometimes the comments I'll get once in a while people come up to me and say you know what it's almost like you installed a hidden camera in my life this you know you you like installed a camera in my life because you spoke right to me what that is is God his word has been he's inspired his word so it speaks to us speaks to us. And we find out there's truth in it. Look at this final clip. This is one more clip. shows how the Bible syncs up with science. It verifies its author. Most astronomers acknowledge that the universe appears to be expanding. This also agrees with the Bible, which says God stretches out the heavens like a curtain. There are some examples in the Bible of scientific foresight. One example that comes to mind in particular is in Isaiah 40:22, which talks about God stretching out the heavens as a tent or as a curtain. And you might say, well, that, you know, that is written in a poetic way, so we've got to be careful. And yet there are at least ten other places in the Bible where it talks about this, this stretching out of the heavens. And that's something that uh, was only discovered in the uh, 20th century when we found that indeed all the galaxies appear to be, or virtually all of them, appear to be moving away from each other as if the entire universe is being, lo and behold, stretched out and expanded, just like the Bible says. And that's obviously not something that that people could have observed in ancient times. That's something that had to have been revealed to them from above. Unimaginably large, containing spectacular galaxies and stunning nebulae. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. God, God has revealed His ways for us to know Him. He wants us to actually test it out. He wants us to dig in for ourselves and to say, wow, God's Word is true. This is, I see this stuff coming to pass in my life. The stuff He 
I mean, science sometimes, you know, when it, it's interesting when science comes and it verifies what the Bible said is already true. It has been true. But we, we discover these things in our own life. And in, God's Word truly comes alive when we choose to obey Him. So the, the wonder of the stars, all of God's creation, they are intended to stir in us a desire to know God and to follow Him with our whole heart. He desires that we do that. You might be at a point in your life where you're really searching to figure out, is God for real? What I'd encourage you to do is <clears throat> spend some time under the stars. Spend some time under the stars. Maybe take this listening guide, the verses on here. If you have a Bible, you can take a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to give you one. And just spend some time under the stars reading these verses and, and allowing God to speak to you and just prove His own exist, His existence. Begin to communicate truths to you about who He really is. I'd encourage you to do that. If you're in that process, you've not yet decided to nail, nail down a relationship with, with Him to, to, to get under the stars. If you are a follower of Christ, I'd encourage you to get under the stars in order to praise Him. Just to spend some extra time saying, God, I probably have taken all of this for granted. I've been so caught up with all the lights and the, the movies and the stars of Hollywood and all this brightness going on in our world that I've just missed this beautiful display of Your goodness and Your glory. Would You help me to, to not do that? Would You help me to, to be mindful of, of who You are? Give You the proper place in my life. So I, I would encourage all of us this week, take some time, get under the stars, and spend some time with the Lord. If you would pull out this uh, connection card, I'd like to draw your attention to these three next steps on the back. First, the band, you guys can go ahead and make your way up here. Get under the stars, as I mentioned. Worship the Lord. Secondly, pray over and begin to consider what I would give to the Christmas offering. We're going to be receiving a Christmas offering uh, beginning next week along with our regular offering, and we're going to be giving it to support um, some foreign mission causes through the Southern Baptist Cooperative Program. It's missionaries that are going. We're going to be highlighting some of the missionaries that go to unreached people groups, and so we really would encourage you to begin to pray about, what would I give to support those who are reaching people who, who I'll probably never, ever travel to those countries. In many unreached areas, you'll see a video next week, You know, there's just no access to people who are Christians, no access to the gospel message. And so that's why we're supporting people who are, who are planning on <clears throat> devoting their lives to that. Also, we want to um, support some local efforts. You'll hear about those things as well next week. So let's, in a moment, we'll receive our offering. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness, God. I pray you would continue to speak to us, God, through what you've created. Lord, let it draw our hearts to praise you. Help us not to construct our own gods and idols or things that we'd set up and begin to worship, Lord, that are not really gods at all. Lord, I pray that we would worship you, the one true God, that we would lift you up in our lives, that we would prioritize our relationship with you above all things, Lord, that you would set the course of our life, the direction of each day, Lord. Lord, that we wouldn't just go through the motions week after week of just acknowledging there's a God, but... He's far off. Lord, help us to understand that you're mindful of us. You're very much involved in our lives. Lord, help us to draw near to you as we spend time in your word, feeding ourselves from the truths, the riches, your wisdom. Lord, help us to, to take initiative personally to get into your, your word, the Bible. Thank you, God, for providing that revelation of who you are, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.